Good evening. It's lovely to be here, and wasn't that just a wonderful time of worship? I felt like God really turned up. It's so exciting when we encounter God um, in our times together. So for those who don't know me, my name is Anne. I must have put my glasses on or I can't see anything. Um, And I'm married to Matthew, who's one of the leaders here. My day job is managing the church finances, so I work three days a week in the office. And I actually love doing working with numbers and balancing the books. It's a thing that actually quite relaxes me, which is a little bit unusual for people, I think. Um, I'm also a mum to six grown-up children and a grandmother to 14. Um, my eldest, one, eldest grandchild has just gone to university and um, that's uh, quite interesting for me. I didn't ever think I'd get to this stage. Um, so you can see life is pretty busy. Um, and uh, tonight we're continuing the series, Getting Closer to Jesus, which we've been doing. And we're going to look at the story of Martha and Mary from Luke 10. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a passage that I've found really difficult and I've struggled with in the past. I think it's because I've always identified myself as a Martha rather than a Mary. So when I think of the story, I've felt condemned. And also, I've had some questions about it. On one level, I understand the position Jesus took regarding Mary. Yet I have great sympathy and empathy for Martha. She really often seems to get bad press. I mean, this is often how people imagine the situation playing out. On one level, I understand the position Jesus took regarding her. I've just said that, sorry. After all, somebody needs to see to the dinner and see to the guests. And I often sit and think, if Martha had just sat there, what would have happened? Would anyone have got fed? And then you remember that Jesus fed 5,000 with a few fish and a loaf of bread, so um, probably. Um, But after looking at the passage more closely in preparation for today, I've totally changed my mind about it. Although it is about Jesus' encounter with two sisters, it has a message that is relevant to us all. It's a message not just for women, but it's for everybody. Before we read the passage, I think we need a little background regarding the relationship between Jesus and these two women. Martha and Mary were the sisters of Lazarus, who, if you remember, Jesus raised from the dead in John chapter 11. And as I looked at these sisters, I became acutely aware that they're not just acquaintances of Jesus, but there is evidence of a long-standing friendship, a close bond. They're comfortable around him which given who Jesus was and the miracles that he performed and his reputation says something of this relationship. In John's gospel, we see something of the depth of it, which perhaps explains the manner of Jesus' response to Martha later on. So I'm just going to talk a bit about the part in John. Now Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, was very sick. The sisters have sent a message to Jesus saying, the one you love is sick. They don't even have to give Lazarus' name. They're just saying the one you love is sick. I mean, that's quite personal, isn't it? Jesus knew who it was. 
When Jesus hears this, he tells his disciples that this sickness will not end in death. And in verse 5 of John 11, it states, The Lord loved Martha and her sister Mary. I would love it if my name was written in the Bible and it said, And Jesus loved Anne. What an amazing thing. It's obvious that Jesus loved this family. They were special to him. And this speaks of intimacy and deep, deep friendship. Now in the light of this, let's read the passage from Luke. So it's Luke 10, 38 to 41. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do all the work? Tell her to help me. How many of us would have felt like that? Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, it wouldn't have been out of place for Martha to expect Jesus to ask Mary to help. Women were expected to serve in that culture, and the men were expected to sit and listen. Um, But Jesus was different. He wasn't treating Mary according to the cultural traditions of the times. In fact, he was demonstrating a kingdom that is to come, that was open not only to men, but women and Gentiles and Jews. But I think Martha may have been a little taken back by his response. So let's take a look at what this is saying says that Martha was the one who opened her home to Jesus. It was her house. She's responsible. She's the head of the household. She's the older sister. She's a generous lady, hospitable, and she's concerned about people. She's got a good heart. She wants to make sure people are looked after and fed and cared for when they come into her home. We don't know exactly who else was there on this occasion or how much preparation was needed even whether or not Jesus had sent a party in advance to warn that he was coming. But we do know that Jesus is coming, and everything must be perfect for her beloved guest. But Martha has it covered. After all, there are two of them. Surely Mary will be helping out. She is the younger sister. She's going to do what I say, isn't she? What we see from the passage is that Mary is a very different character. She's got different priorities to Martha. It sounds like she's quite laid back, not so worried about things. Maybe she's always late for everything. You know, she's not as um, wound up about life and worried about pleasing people. But one thing we can see about Mary is that she is not going to be defined by the cultural norm or what others might think of her. She isn't going to bow down to social pressure I think that's a great lesson for us to learn. 
I think we live in a society where the pressure on us is huge, whether it's pressure at university to do well or whether it's pressure in our jobs to go up the ladder or whether it's just pressure from friends or family or relatives. But here we have a Mary who is completely going against the cultural pressures, the social pressures and saying, no, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to do what the men do and I'm going to sit and listen. I would imagine if they'd known that Jesus was coming, that she's already helped out with the preparations before he arrived. And now he's here. And she is determined she's going to get as close to him as she possibly can. And she's going to hang on every word. The passage tells us that Mary is sitting at the Lord's feet. She just wasn't going to waste a moment and she wasn't going to spend her time running around after everybody I think the amazing thing is that when Jesus responds to Martha, he knows that he hasn't got long left. So when he says, you know, that Mary's sitting, she's doing, you know, the one thing that's important, he knows that his time is going to be cut short. Obviously, Mary and Martha don't know that. Um, so I think that's actually quite a key point. So I'm going to look at four points here that I think might help us to understand what Jesus is getting at. Firstly, there was a very deep and loving friendship. As we read in John, Jesus loved Martha. He was not addressing a stranger, but he was addressing a close friend. We must see the context of this passage, otherwise Jesus can come across as being harsh and insensitive towards her. This wasn't a chance encounter. He'd probably been to their home many, many times before. When we know people well, we can speak more directly to them. I can say stronger things to Matthew and my children because there's a huge bank of relationship there. They know that I love them, so I can be more direct with them just as they can with me. Jesus was certainly direct with Martha. Secondly, in the message it says about her, you're fussing too much. I just love that. You're fussing too much. Martha was fretting and anxious and obviously stressed. It wasn't a hidden stress. It was coming out from her. Are you someone who gets stressed about things, over worrying and fighting a constant battle to keep things in proportion? Jesus has the solution. Spend time with him. Learn to quieten your heart and rest in him. Now, I used to really struggle with this. Even when I had time, I'd put it off, I'd do other things, I'd wash the floor, make that phone call, do anything. And then the time would be gone and I'd feel dreadful because I thought I'm going to spend some time with God and it was gone. And over the years, I have learned to rest at his feet. I started by setting myself just 10 minutes a day. The reason I did this was partly because we had an incident that had happened that had caused me to be really anxious. And I suffered for about five years from quite severe anxiety. And it was controlling me. And I found it really, really difficult because when you're very anxious about things, sometimes your body responds in a way that you're not expecting. And I knew that I had to get on top of this. So I decided 
that I needed to learn to sit and rest at his feet. It's no good deciding you're going to spend an hour praying and reading if you're not used to doing it, because you're just absolutely setting yourself up for failure. Make it manageable and realistic for where you're at. If you decide to do it and you manage three or four days and then you miss a few, just get back on the horse and start again. It's not a big deal. If you don't know what to do, start by just trying to play a worship song and think about the words and dwell on them and dwell on Jesus. Now Luke has put together this great Bible reading plan, reading God's word together, which we're trying to do as a church. I just really want to commend this. I have just loved it. The thing I really love about it is that you can just choose to do the New Testament or the Old Testament, and it's one chapter a day. So even if you get behind, you can catch up. And uh, that is a really good thing to try and do. Um, But decide, even if you can't manage that, to do something. When I first set myself the goal of regular reading and quiet times, my children were quite young, and I didn't always have much time. And to be absolutely honest, I didn't really know my Bible. I'd been a Christian quite a few years, but I still really had never really spent time reading his word. But I did have this, and this is a new book. I know it doesn't look very well used. That's because I bought a new one this year, because my last one, which I had since 1985, is falling apart. And it's called A Daily Light. And it's Bible scripture readings for each day. There's no one telling you what they mean. It's simply just a just scripture. And it would often speak to me. I'd read a scripture that would spark something in me. And then I'd want to look at it a bit more. So my appetite for God's word was really poor. But this little book fed me morsels that helped my hunger to grow. I still use it today, almost every day. Eventually, I found I wanted to spend more and more time reading and praying and just being. And now I really look forward to my time. I actually wake up excited about meeting Jesus at the beginning of the day. I would just like to say that I am a lark. So for you people who are not larks and you're owls, you know, that's fine. I just do wake up, but I just love it. I get out of bed and uh, I'm excited. But I've had to put some things into place in order to do this. I had to be decisive and decide I was going to make this a priority. You have to get to bed. Don't stay watching that program or playing on that computer game. And most of all, I had to set the alarm and get up. Now, I'm in a wonderful position of having no young children to deal with in the mornings. If you're single or you don't have children yet, or your kids are older, you have time that those with young, trouble, young children really struggle to find, and that is a real privilege. I would just say use it while you can. So back to Martha. I wonder if Martha had gone into overdrive with the preparations. Instead of a simple supper, perhaps she decided to prepare a lavish feast to bless Jesus, which had amounted to loads of extra work and lots more frantic activity. As I said at the beginning, Matthew and I have a huge family, and before we moved to Edinburgh, and before the explosion of grandchildren, 
we'd often host most of the children and their families for Christmas. That could be up to 14 adults, and they usually stayed a week or so. We all lived in different parts of the UK, so these times were really, really special family times that we all looked forward to. But, oh, the preparation... It really was unbelievable. The more I think about it, the more I can't understand why I did it. I would go into absolute overdrive. And Matthew just didn't know what to do. Poor Matthew. I'd expect him to as well. And he would just be chilled out about the whole thing and say, they're coming home, man. They know what the house is like. It's fine. But no, I would have to open every cupboard and sort it and clean it, even if it hadn't been opened since last Christmas. Sweep every floor. The carpets would be cleaned. There'd just be a frenzy of sorting out and cleaning and the present buying and the wrapping and getting everything ready. It would start about six weeks beforehand and by the time they all arrived, I'd be absolutely exhausted. But I did just want everything to be spotless and perfect for Christmas. But my desire to serve everyone and make sure their needs were met and they all had a good time robbed me of quality time with them and also robbed them of a relaxing time with me. In hindsight, I know my children would have preferred more of my time and attention. Instead of me running around and trying to keep all the plates spinning, it was a lesson that took me a long time to learn. Thirdly, we can ask ourselves, or I'll ask you, is Jesus against serving? Of course he isn't. His comments to Martha were not because he was against it. This isn't an excuse to just sit around and not serve, not serve others. Jesus lifts up service. He himself was, after all, a servant who washed his disciples' feet. Matthew 20. Anyone who wants to be first must be last and the servant of all. In Philippians 2, it says about Jesus, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Isaiah, speaking prophetically about the Christ to come, says, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. He will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. No, Jesus does not rebuke Martha for serving. That would contradict his teaching. But the thing is that Martha is worried and fretting. Jesus is here and she is missing the point. How would you feel if Jesus turned up at your house for dinner? There's a lot of things we can learn from this passage, but the main point is this. What is the one thing that is needed? The one thing is Jesus. We can be believers and still not pursue the one thing that's needed, relationship with him. Are you pursuing Jesus? When I was 19, I made a decision to follow Jesus. Not just to follow him, but to put him first and to pursue a relationship with him. That one decision has shaped my whole life. When you make Jesus your one thing, everything changes. Who you marry, 
Was Matthew someone who was going, to, going after the one thing? Are you single and hoping to marry one day? Do you have your priorities in the right order? Jesus first. Friendships and people of influence in your life. Are your friendships helping you to follow Jesus or do they hold you back? Where you live, your job, your leisure time, everything is changed by this decision. 17 years ago, Matthew and I moved from Newcastle to Edinburgh. I left behind my parents, my youngest son and some precious friends and a wonderful church community. We'd seen this beautiful house in Eskbank, which is just outside of Edinburgh, and um, we were really, really tempted to buy it. But after talking with others and seeking God, we realised we needed to be living in the city centre to plant a church. So we ended up moving into a city centre flat at the top of Leith Walk. I'd never lived in a flat before, and I'd never lived in a flat in the middle of the city, so that was um, quite an exciting experience. But we knew that to start a church, we needed to build a community. And that for us meant living in a flat in the middle of the city. We didn't move to Edinburgh just because we love this beautiful city, but because we believed God had asked us to start a church here. Church is his plan. Are you pursuing him as being part of, by being part of his church? Seek first the kingdom of God. Are you seeking his kingdom first? Be concerned about the one thing that makes a difference, and that is knowing Jesus. I looked for a husband who had made that same decision to seek his kingdom first. If Jesus is the one thing, everything else follows. Are you in a relationship with someone who you know is distracting you from the one thing, Jesus? Have you replaced the one thing with other things, people, Money, job, PlayStation. Is he the king of your heart? It's a good question to ask yourself periodically. Where is Jesus in the priorities of my life? Is he the one who I look to when I'm making decisions? Is he still king or am I following something else or somebody else? You may have the kind of personality that over-worries about things when you have, have a space to pray or read your Bible. Anxious thoughts crowd in and distract you. You need to spend time sitting at the feet of Jesus and getting to know him. Are you anxious and worried about many things? Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. I think there is a real tenderness in the way Jesus speaks to her. Martha, Martha. John, John. Mary, Mary. There's just something in the way he says that that says, I'm thinking about you. I believe that Jesus wants to speak tenderly to some of you today. He's calling your name. If you're here and you don't know Jesus personally, you can make a decision to get to know him today because he's waiting.
If you've replaced him as the one thing, it's time for some readjustment. He loves you. If, like Martha, you're worried and anxious, Jesus has a solution. He can give you peace. Where you can't find peace anywhere else, Jesus can come and give peace in the midst of a storm. And that's what he wants to do. Let's just spend a few minutes sitting at his feet and letting his Holy Spirit minister his love to us. Use this time to reset your priorities and give Jesus that special place of honour.